episode three of the Shelbourne Knee Center podcast. This is Rodney Benner. I'm an orthopedic surgeon at Shelbourne Knee Center, and I'm here with my co-host, Scott Bauman, who is a former PT and researcher at Shelbourne Knee Center. And tonight we have our second guest uh, for episode two of a three-part series on contralateral patella tendon grafts for ACL reconstruction. Last week, we talked with Dr. Shelbourne about the history of the contralateral approach, and I'll touch on that a little bit before we get started tonight. But tonight we're going to talk about more of the rehabilitation techniques that we utilize uh, that really are the the real essence of why the contralateral uh, graft for ACL reconstruction is useful and leads to some specific advantages. Uh, so, uh, you know, to review last week, the contralateral approach was developed over time, starting with revision surgery and people that had already had a patella tendon graft taken from the uh, injured knee. And the second time around, the the docs would go to the opposite knee. Dr. Shelbourne would go to the opposite knee and found that a lot of patients were reporting that their recovery from the contralateral graft was actually easier than the first time. A lot of it was chalked up to having been through it before and things such as that. But over time, it eventually came, became a clear enough potential advantage that he started to use it uh, for primary ACL reconstruction. And now that's what we do uh, pretty much all the time at our at our center. So um, we're going to talk to Bill Clausen, who's one of our physical therapists at the Shelbourne Knee Center, uh, about uh, the rehabilitation. For And tonight's episode is really geared more towards physicians who want to hear about the rehabilitation techniques and are thinking about using a contralateral graft or for physical therapists who are working with surgeons directly to try to make this approach a success. Yeah, Dr. Bender, you had mentioned the previous episode with Dr. Shelbourne and, and what he had mentioned in a large part of the evolution and the development of the contralateral patellar tendograft to be used as a primary reconstruction technique is the evolution of the rehabilitation that follows it, which, uh, as you know, it's, it's an important piece of it. When you're taking the graph from the opposite side, that does change some things on how you approach the ACL side and definitely how you approach the graft harvest site. So I think tonight's going to be a great episode and uh, pretty excited to have our guest on. Uh, Bill has been a physical therapist here at the Shelbourne Knee Center for a long time. Uh, so, Bill, welcome to the podcast. And, and before you get started, if you don't mind, take a, a couple minutes to tell the listeners what your role is at the clinic, when you started, those types of things. Yeah, Scott and Dr. Benner, thanks for having me. I'm, uh, I'm excited to contribute to this, uh, this podcast uh, episode. Uh, I've been a physical therapist at the Shelbourne Knee Center for 15 years. Um, I've, I've taken care of lots of these uh, contralateral ACL patients that we're going to talk about tonight, and I certainly have been able to recognize the benefit that that uh, type of surgery does for our ACL patients. Um, so I'm excited to get started. Yeah, when talking about this contralateral graph with the rehab, who better to ask than somebody that that's seen a ton of these over the years and, and sees them every day? And, you know, kick things off here as we know, when you're taking the graph from the opposite side, that, that's right off the bat a, a pretty big difference when you're talking other graphs or, or definitely comparing it to an ipsilateral patellar tendon graph. So just from a rehabilitation standpoint and, and perspective, what makes this approach different? Yeah, so the the biggest thing that um, that gives us an advantage that makes this approach different is it really divides the uh, post-operative goals between two different knees. So in our you know, when you rehab a, an ACL patient, your focus is to get range of motion back in the knee where the ACL is being reconstructed. And then if you have a donor site is to address the uh, regeneration of the donor site um, that was used for the ACL graft. So uh, with the patellar tendon graft coming from the opposite knee, 
it really gives the therapist two separate goals to operate in two different knees and they can go on simultaneous. So in our ACL knee, uh, we focus primarily uh, exclusively on extension range of motion and then effusion uh, and flexion. Uh, and these goals can happen independent of regenerating the donor knee. Um, so uh, the donor knee uh, site is really just focused on regeneration of the tendon to its normal size and then regeneration of quadriceps strength. Uh, when we do this in an ipsilateral uh, patellar tendon graph, we kind of have to stack the goals uh, and hit the range of motion first and get the effusion down before we can really work on strengthening the donor tendon. Uh, and with the contralateral patellar tendon graft, it allows us to do work on these things in parallel. Um, and we just set the patient up with two different goals for each knee, and they uh, have different exercises that they perform targeting those two, two different uh, goals in each knee. Uh, and it really allows the patient to uh, kind of simultaneously tackle both of those post-operative goals of ACL knee range of motion and donor site rehabilitation. Bill, a significant part of this sounds like it's an education process of getting the patients to understand in the same way that we're trying to get physicians and physical therapists to understand why the approach is different from a therapy perspective. It's got to be a big education piece for you as a therapist in generating that relationship with the patient and really getting them to understand why taking the graph from the opposite knee makes sense and what rehabilitation goals are different from for for uh, for each knee. So tell us tell our uh, listeners a little bit about how that uh, how that plays in when you're talking to your patients and how the education plays into it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the education really begins when we first uh, diagnose a patient with an AC, ACL tear during clinic, and uh, you, Dr. Benner and Dr. Shelburne, do a great job of kind of. Uh, starting the process of educating them about why we only use patellar tendon grafts in our clinic due to superior healing and allowing early range of motion. Um, and then you also touch on where we take the patellar tendon graft from and why that, that has been an advantage. So from the beginning, when the patient gets their first diagnosis that they've had an ACL tear, and it's explained to them in our office how we, how we fix that and why. Uh, and then that sort of, you know, starts the process of them thinking about using a graft from the opposite knee and the advantages it provides. Uh, from there, um, we then have a patient education uh, visit with them and their family member prior to surgery where we can further kind of dive into the specific rehabilitation benefits that grafting from the opposite knee provides. Uh, and then at that point, you know, the patient is really bought into the process of they have an understanding of why we do that, what the benefit is, what the post-operative rehabilitation, how that differs between knees. And, you know, we really don't ever have to, you know, quote, talk them into taking a patellar tendon graft from the opposite knee. We really just provide them information and data that that uh, kind of proves the benefit of that uh, doing surgery that way. Uh, and patients are on board. So a lot of the education just begins from the uh, the first time patients diagnosed with an ACL tear and it's reemphasized uh, during a preoperative surgery education visit, uh, and then it's and then it's implemented in the postoperative rehabilitation process when we're uh, you know guiding them on exercises, and and at that point they're they're really on board. Yeah, Bill, I want to go back to that first answer that you gave for that first question. You mentioned goals a lot, and and that's one thing when I was seeing patients in the office. I noticed that the, the one of the biggest advantages was splitting up those goals between knees with the ACL side focusing on the range of motion and the graph side focusing on the strength. 
But from a goal perspective, can can you tell the listeners a little bit about timing of that and how that's different than ipsilaterals in terms of when do you expect range of motion goals to be met? When do you expect strength goals to be met and how that's different compared to either other graphs or just comparing directly to the ipsilateral patellar tendon graft? So the the goals with a contralateral are to really just have the patient achieve equal knees with regards to range of motion, equal legs with regards to strength. And those are really our short-term goals for the contralateral patients. And it happens much quicker than if we're doing an ipsilateral patellar tendon graft. Because obviously with an ipsilateral, you, you have a completely normal knee with range of motion and completely normal knee with things like quadricep strength. And so, you know, to achieve equal knees uh, by doing an ipsilateral uh, can take quite some time. So the short-term goals for the contralateral are really just try to get those legs and uh, range of motion, leg strength equal as quickly as possible. And that usually can happen in a two to three month time frame. The goal with the contralateral long-term is to take both of those uh, legs that are now now kind of even, but weak compared to pre-op, and then strengthen them to the pre-op level and then transition that patient back to pre-injury activity with you know maintaining equal range of motion, no effusion, good strength, no tendon soreness. In terms of getting limb symmetry early, I want to get both of your guys' thoughts in terms of what are the advantages of that? I know there's other schools of thought and other people out there that are doing research and and, and seeing clinic patients, and their thought is the disuse atrophy is a, is a real problem, and comparing it to the non-involved side, for example, on an ipsilateral graft, you're just bringing it down to the weaker side, and that's not necessarily the goal. So with our process with contralateral patellar tendon grafts, that, that is our early goal. And like you said, Bill, is to get them symmetric early and then bring them up to pre-op. So do either of you see advantages or what advantages are there with that type of approach of achieving limb symmetry by design through the contralateral graft and then progressing forward to, to hit pre-op numbers? Yeah. So, you know, we have a saying in our office that you're only as good as your worst leg. And it's, it's true. And when patients are able to have equal legs, even if they're you know half as strong as pre-op numbers at two or three months, if their legs can be equal, they they feel really normal. I mean, they can feel like they can walk normally, do stairs normally, they don't have to favor a leg. They don't have a good leg and bad leg. They just feel like, you know, my legs are equal, but I'm, I'm not as strong as I used to be yet. Um, so it, it, it's a tremendous advantage to get patients to uh, feel like they're back to having you know, normal legs are equal. If they're back to having uh, equal legs, then they then they can just isolate and work on. I want to get back to preoperative strength. I, I need to lift weights to do that, or I want to tr- start to transition back to sport. You know, not having a good leg, bad leg kind of quote unquote scenario uh, is is beneficial for the patient to really early feel normal. And the thing about the the contralateral graft that I think that always surprises me is very early on in the process is once the patient restores ACL knee range of motion, uh, they, they report it's their good knee. And that's a that's a tall challenge for ACL surgery and ACL rehabilitation is to have the patient report that the knee where the ACL reconstruction was performed feels like a normal knee. And I think be, you know because of the uh, the process of not weakening that knee by taking a graft from it using a reliable uh, patellar tendon graft for the graft choice. And as soon as they get range of motion back, you know, we have them use that leg like a normal knee. They report very early on that, you know, this, this ACL reconstructed knee feels like my normal knee. And so, you know, if we can achieve that early on, it has, it it pays dividends a long way for 
things like trust, confidence, um, you know, things like uh, ACL RSI surveys where patients are rating their confidence in returning to sport or their ability to get back to pre-injury level. Yeah, from a surgeon perspective, I look at it maybe sometimes from how do I avoid subsequent reoperations? How do we avoid complications? How do we avoid bad outcomes? You know, avoid uncomfortable conversations with patients if things are going slowly and things aren't progressing quite as fast as they want. Uh, you know, as as Bill talked about, the 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 return of symmetry happens quickly enough that we're able to take care of a lot of those potential concerns by just avoiding the problem to begin with. And the nice thing is it really doesn't doesn't matter to me what the patient ultimately wants to get to. To me, the most important thing is getting them back to symmetric as soon as possible. And whatever they want to do moving forward, that's great. If they have an in, if we have an in-season athlete who wants to get back to play as soon as they possibly can because it's their last year, uh, and they really want to get back quickly. The goal is to get them back to symmetric as quickly as possible and then start moving them back into practice. If we're dealing with somebody that's a weekend athlete and just wants to be able to do recreational activities or even, you know, sometimes people who otherwise wouldn't have their ACL fixed but start having giving way episodes with daily activities, by using a contralateral graft, as soon as they get back to symmetric, they're pretty much done and they can take whatever time they want then to get back to daily activities. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you both said that because I think that's one thing that should not be overlooked. When we talk about hitting symmetry early, and, and Bill, you mentioned that patients feel like the ACL side is the more normal side or the better side of the two. And again, I don't think that should be looked over because I think that goes a long way when it comes to confidence. Bill, you mentioned the RSI and, and, and our early RSI scores are pretty darn good. And I feel like a lot of that is due to the fact that they're symmetric early. You get them feeling better. Dr. Benner, like you were saying, feeling normal. And they're able to go on with whatever end goal that they want to. But because they're able to hit that symmetry early, they build that confidence. So then, you know, you fast forward the clock four months and you get them on the basketball court or the football field or the soccer field. And they feel normal doing those things because of how good they felt early because of hitting that symmetry measure. Bill, let's go into some more specifics of the early rehabilitation, because I think this is where the contralateral really shines and describe what are those early goals for each knee. I know we kind of talked about them in generalities, but let's talk a little more specifically about what are those education pieces you go through with the patient and uh, and how do, the, how do those first two to four weeks look with each knee? Yeah, so the the early phase of the recovery really starts preoperatively, and we're fortunate and uh, recognize the necessity to do preoperative rehabilitation with these patients. So we, you know, we always work uh, a couple visits. Usually, it's over over maybe a couple few weeks just to have that patient recover from their injury, get their effusion down, educate them on full extension, get their get their uh, ACL deficient knee to have full extension, have them start standing on it, have them walking normally all those things that pay dividends post-op. So the early stage recovery for the ACL knee, uh, you know, we're, we're uber focused on full extension equal to the opposite knee. We achieve it before surgery and we maintain it post-operatively. So the early phase for the, that first, really a first day of surgery and then maintenance throughout the first uh, week and then the second week and the first month and the second month and so forth is just to maintain equal extension to the opposite knee. Um, just to make sure that ACL graft fits perfectly and they don't get any uh, growth of scar tissue or cyclops. Uh, the the flexion goal on the ACL knee really revolves around uh, controlling a, a joint effusion or hemarthrosis from surgery. And we, we do many things to try to 
limit that in the early first recovery uh, week uh, so that patients don't get a big swollen knee and they come in at a week after surgery, usually bending you know, around 110 degrees or so because we've really limited their activity and, and kept them down for the week and used you know, cryo cuff and elevation and CPM machine. Um, so from there, uh, as, as the patient progresses from week one to two for flexion and then they're back at school or maybe they're back to a job, uh, you know, it's all about educating them how to control joint effusion uh, as they transition and increase activity. Um, we usually target a goal for trying to get the ACL knee effusion resolved to the point where they have full uh, knee flexion uh, by two to three months. And, and two months is pretty ambitious. You have to be really on top of things as far as patient goes to control an effusion. But usually by three months, patients are pretty close to having symmetrical flexion to the opposite knee. Uh, for the graft side, uh, the early recovery goals are uh, full flexion right when they wake up from surgery. So because it's an extra articular procedure where we harvest the patellar tendon graft, they don't get a joint effusion there. Uh, we haven't bend their knee immediately in the hospital all the way. And they try to maintain that full graft knee flexion throughout the process. And then we really initiate um, graft knee donor site tendon strengthening exercise starting that first week. Um, and progressing them throughout the process with different exercise of high repetition, low load, isolated to strengthen the donor tendon. On that side, the goals are really to balance tendon stress to help growth uh, without doing tendon inflammation uh, to lose flexion. So we, you know, we have to battle that uh, at different periods of time through the recovery process. But again, it goes a lot to the education of the patient. Uh, telling them what their signs uh, are looking, for, you know, that they're looking for if they're overworking their tendon, uh, need to back off, or if they can push themselves uh, to to strengthen the tendon further. And again, that's the same goal by that two to three month phase to have that donor tendon regrow to the point where their strength is testing pretty equal to the ACL reconstructed side. Bill, sometimes that can be a, an education piece you, you brought up earlier around that two or three month mark uh, when the patient starts to get all that ACL knee motion back and the swelling is down to a, a relatively minimal level. You said that the ACL knee starts to feel like the good knee. And for me, I think that sometimes is difficult to uh, reconcile with patients who are like, gosh, and now now I feel like my ACL knee is great. I just wish I didn't have this pain over here in the front of the knee and my graft knee. And sometimes it's it's a difficult discussion. We try to head that off the pass, as you know, on trying to tell them ahead of time, this is normal for your ACL knee to feel like the good knee for a little while. The next piece of it is just finishing getting all the strength back and letting that tendon continue to regenerate, but it will catch up and become a good knee as well. Um, so uh, that's, that's always a difficult one I feel like yeah I, I have uh, have had many a conversation similar to that where they they're, they're they're happy with how their ACL only feels at, at three months and they're struggling or maybe you know kind of challenged by uh, balancing activity and, and graft knee tendon soreness and I, I you know I've really gone to re to the point now where I remind them that the only way their ACL knee can feel as good as it does is 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 what we do to the donor knee and That's it's true. a yeah, it's a solvable problem, yeah. and and when I tell them that, it really kind of helps reiterate the whole the whole process of of why you know ACL surgery is is really about the ACL reconstruction. However, using the best graft and using it from the opposite knee as we do, uh, it, it has a solvable solvable problem 
But the solution, you know, the solution or the benefit it provides is having patients say, you know, my ACL knee feels like my good knee. And I, and I always tell them, you know, that that is the entire goal. It's the hardest obstacle to overcome to have patients say that. Yeah. And uh, then then it kind of resonates with them that 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 why we did that. Yeah, you often have to go backwards and say, remember, the reason your ACL knee feels so good is because you don't have a donor site to regenerate. We're not starting to do all that you've already done on the graft knee at square one now that we're now that the ACL knee motion's good. So that's that's definitely a big piece of it. So Bill, you mentioned the the specifics of the early time point in the rehab. How does the intermediate rehab phases and the late stage rehab go? For the contralateral patellar tendon graft, is it any different compared to an ipsilateral graft, or is there certain things you're looking for on each side from a activity tolerance standpoint that gives you indication to push somebody forward and progress them quicker, or maybe the opposite, pull them back because of X, Y, Z reasons? Is there anything specific to the contralateral that that uh, you look out for in these phases? Yeah, so um, the intermediate phase, really, I would I would describe as once that patient has symmetrical motion and strength, and then they work kind of on bilateral leg strengthening to get back to you know preoperative numbers as a as a baseline goal. Um, and so now they're doing things that they would normally describe as traditional weightlifting with both legs. They're not really treating their knees differently when they're exercising. They're stressing them even. They're monitoring things like ACL knee effusion and graft leg tendon soreness. Those are kind of their indicators we educate them to monitor, but otherwise they just kind of go back to their normal, you know, I lift, uh, I lift like I normally lift weights. The, the late stage is what I would describe as more of when patients are starting to transition back to higher impact activities, things like sports specific practices, scrimmages, games, drills, those kind of things. And, you know, they've, they've, they've achieved the level of strength where they feel comfortable enough uh, to transition back to those, those tasks. And then it's about, you know, kind of finishing out that first year of the recovery where they've gone through the, I've got my legs equal. They've gone through the, I've got my strength back to pre-op. And now they're working on the portion where they're getting back to my pre-injury level of activity. And again, we kind of educate them on, monitoring signs of you need to take a day off of practice or you need to take this game off or you know how to how can i tell if i'm overdoing things what would i notice what would i feel what would my knees kind of identify with with some um, objective findings um you know so the the difference in the ipsilateral and the contralateral and the kind of progressing through those intermediate and late phases would be you know all those symptoms would be going on in one knee only and it goes back to the you know, the concept of patients only being as good as their worst leg. And so if they have tendon soreness, it's just going to be in one knee. If they have a joint effusion, it's just going to be in one knee. And they may have both in the same knee. And if they're trying to push themselves harder in managing effusion and tendon soreness in the same knee, it can be a difficult task for patients to to do that. Um, the contralateral really gives patients the ability to say, all right, if I don't have tendon soreness, do I have a joint effusion? Or if I don't have a joint effusion, do I have tendon soreness? Or do I have neither? Or do I have, I have both? And they have a plan for how to manage that uh, kind of separately. Now, early on, you said that the patients feel that the ACL side is the better of the two knees early on in the rehab. Do you notice that trend continuing in the later stages once you're getting patients back to sport? For example, you, you clear a patient to return to sport six or seven months down the road and you see them back a month later they're practicing they're playing they're competing 
do they still feel like the ACL side is the better one, even in those later six month stages? Uh, more often, yes. Um, they, you know, to manage an effusion is easier than to manage tendon soreness. And so if, you know, an effusion is, is painless, you know, they, they might, they, they could probably tell that they can't bend their knee as far, but it doesn't hurt. And so they may try to ignore that longer um, because it doesn't limit them as much. If patients are pushing their graft knee tendon to the point where they're getting some inflammation, that gets more difficult for them to try to ignore. Um, and many times we'll, you know, we'll do hop testing in the clinic at six months or nine months post-op. And it's, it's very common for them to out, you know, use their ACLA to out jump their graft leg. And again, that, that's a tough goal from a rehab standpoint for have patients say, I, you know, I can hop farther on my ACL reconstructed knee than I can on my donor knee. That that's fantastic. And that's, that's what we see more often. Bill, I think you've talked to before when you've talked about this approach in meetings that you've gotten some pushback with people saying, why do you keep people down early on after surgery that they can't, they just can't understand wrapping their head around why we keep people down early on after surgery? Uh, that doesn't necessarily relate specifically to contralateral, um, but it does play into a lot about uh, preventing problems. So talk a little bit about that. Yeah, that's definitely an eye opener. If we go to conferences or combined section meeting and we present uh, any kind of post-operative rehabilitation uh, protocol or game plan for these patients, when we talk about bed rest and we talk about CPM and we talk about limiting walking during the first post-operative week, but then we also don't have the problems that other people are talking about, you know, quad shutdown, um, high pain levels, uh, limited knee flexion, um, you know, inability to walk and put weight on their knee or using crutches. So, um, you know, the explanation for that first bed rest week to the patient uh, also gets some pushback and they, you know, they have to have a caregiver and they have to have somebody take time off of work. If they're a student, they've got to be miss school. Um, when we explain the concept of prevention of a hemarthrosis or trying to limit that as much as possible and the benefits of not getting a big swollen knee, uh, it, it always makes sense to people. They say, well, that, that does make sense. You know, why, why would I get up and walk just to prove that I can? Why would I go back to school just because, uh, you know, I, I'm able to? Why would I do uh, have an outpatient surgery versus spending a night in the hospital? And when we explain those benefits to patients and, and, and they go through the process, they totally understand the benefit of it. Um, but I think initially the pushback is um, not understanding the concept of, having a knee, you know, bleed into the joint after surgery. And if you, if you send somebody home from the hospital, don't give them instructions, they're going to get a big swollen knee. They're going to get a quad shut down. They're going to have high pain levels. They're not going to be able to lift their leg. They're not going to be able to walk very well. Um, and now they have problems that you could have prevented that, that you can't, uh, it, are difficult to address at that point. I'm going to pose a question to both of you that I was asked uh, to me a couple months ago at an orthopedic meeting. Uh, in London, a surgeon from over there that exclusively does hamstring grafts, after listening to a talk we gave on contralateral patellar tendon grafts, came up and asked me, I only do hamstring grafts. Do you feel like this contralateral method could be translated to that type of graft? And, and I thought it was a fascinating question. And, and since I have Bill and Dr. Benner here as a PT and a surgeon to get both perspectives, what would be your answer to that? Is this contralateral approach something that could be expanded to quad tendon grafts or hamstring grafts because of the principles of splitting the goals up between two different knees? 
I think absolutely. And the, and the, the reason you don't have to look very far for, to, to figure out why one of the graft types that has come into a lot of favor, especially in older people is cadaver grafts is allografts. And the reason is because you want to avoid donor site morbidity for the ACL knee in our contralateral patellar tendon graft autograft approach for the ACL knee. It's an allograft reconstruction from a rehab standpoint. You get all those benefits you get of an allograft reconstruction, except you have a gold gold standard graft in, in, in your own tissue. We know from lots of studies um, including the Moon Group's data in particular that says that people who have autographs are less likely to have re-tears, less likely to have failures. Uh, and, and you get that benefit of having the autograft by taking it from the opposite knee, and you still get the benefits of the rehabilitation for that donor site happening, happening elsewhere from the ACL knee. So when I think about people doing hamstrings, what's the downside of going to the other knee and getting a hamstring graft, putting it into the ACL injured knee? You know, whatever morbidity there is associated with that, if you can isolate it on the opposite knee, have that be the only problem that that knee has to take care of, and then eliminate that donor site morbidity from the entire equation for the ACL knee, by all means, if you're doing quad tendon grafts, if you're doing hamstring grafts, and of course, uh, you know how we feel about patella tendon grafts, I think there's definitely got to be advantages to taking it from the opposite knee. Yeah, Dr. Benner, I would I would 100% agree with that. And I often describe our, our contralateral patellar tendon graft as the best allograft that you can have for reasons you just emphasized. Uh, the ACL knee rehab is really pretty simple. There's there's no donor site. It's great stability. It's predictable. You get motion back, and you don't have a problem. Um, and so I, I I do agree uh, with that, Scott. Your to your question is applying those concepts of the benefits of taking the graft from elsewhere from the opposite side uh, would would work for surgeons using hamstrings, quad tendons, et cetera. Um, and in our hands, uh, that's what we found with the patellar tendon graft. I know everyone's still wondering, though, well, there's got to be some downside to it. And what is it? And, you know, since we have thousands of reconstructions we've done at our office, we definitely have some experience with that. So, Bill, would you, what would you say when somebody asks, well, you, you talk about this in glowing terms. You talk about how, how many problems you avoid all these things. What are some downsides and some limitations that we have to acknowledge? Yeah, so. There are challenges for sure, and uh, a lot of these these challenges have been have been worked around prior to my time coming. But even some in our in my time uh, at our clinic, uh, you know, primarily number one, you're going to have an incision on another knee, and so that that is a challenge to patients to say, well, I'm going to have an incision on a, uh, on both knees, on the front of both knees, instead of just one knee. Um, so you know that that can be a uh, a turnoff to some people. Um, you know, I think our biggest challenge is continues to be the donor site rehabilitation and when patients transition back to running and jumping or higher impact sports how to manage inflammation in that like i mentioned before you know in, an effusion generally is not a painful thing but tendon soreness is and uh you know i i still think we go back to the fact that the patellar tendon graft we only use that because of its high success rate and being the you know kind of the gold standard for acl graft choice um, but it's easier to manage tendon soreness when it's in the opposite knee, only because it's an isolated event. It's really manageable through activity modification, um, anti-inflammatory kind of measures as far as uh, patients overdo it. And so it, it, there's always a period of time where 
running and jumping athletes are going back to their sport and we know it's coming and we know how to manage it and we educate and counsel them. Uh, but that's probably the biggest downside that we deal with in the rehabilitation department as far as uh, it's very little to do with the ACL knee. It's more often due to the donors donor side on the graft knee. And again, it's it's far more manageable when we're when we're dealing with that in isolation uh, as a donor knee. I think those those would be the things that I would note as well, that that time in the middle of the rehabilitation, when the ACL knee really starts to feel good and the graft knee starts to feel like the bad knee for a little while, that's always a, that's always a difficult one as far as patient education. Um, and then, of course, if you have any of those very rare complications of a patella tendon tear or a uh, or a patella fracture or something like that, uh, those are always very difficult. We did a study at our office where we looked at those in particular and our rate of those complications was like 0.3%. We actually found that those that people came back from those a little bit more easily if they happened on the graft knee as opposed to happen on the ACL knee. Uh, because if, it, if you have a complication on the opposite knee, you can fix it, you can take care of it, and you're not competing that rehabilitation on the same knee with the same knee that just had a, a, uh, that just had an ACL tear. And it would point you to any of our previous publications on that. If you have any more questions about that for the listeners. Um, but, uh, that's something we found with studies as well. Well, that about wraps up this episode, Bill, a huge thank you for, uh, giving us all your expertise. I know you've been seeing these types of patients for a long time. So we really do appreciate you giving the insight on this topic that I think a lot of people may have some questions on. So we, we appreciate it. I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Make sure to come back next week for our next episode. Uh, we're going to talk about contralateral patella tendon graft outcomes. We have a recent publication and some past publications on this method that we'd like to review. Uh, and make sure you check back with us to see, as we talked about earlier, the proof's in the pudding. The data shows us uh, everything we need to know about contralateral, and we'd love to review that with you next week. If you'd like to contact us, you can go to Twitter and, uh, and Instagram and find us at the SKC Podcast, or you can go to our Facebook page. You can also email us directly at the SKC Podcast at Gmail. Email.com. Thank you.